Warcraft Lore Podcast. I'm your host, James Graham, and I'm joined by Just Mazeriel today. Um, Warren, unfortunately, is in the midst of moving and is having internet issues, so it's just going to be the two of us. Maze, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. Where it's at, we're going to find out Warren carries the entire show, and it's all on him. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get the like the, the cruel awakening that warren's just like the backbone of it and we just we're nothing without him yeah so everybody wish warren a uh, speedy wi-fi recovery um hopefully he gets situated in his new apartment soon uh but for right now it's just the two of us so for the uninitiated here at norganon every episode we take a topic faction event or a person of the warcraft universe give you our rundown of it and then jump into big brain discussions or analysis of the, the topic we've decided um, before we jump into a couple things, though, we want to uh, give you a few updates on where to kind of keep up with us. Yeah, yeah, you can always find us on Twitter. That's going to be at popped underscore off. And of course, online poppedoff.com. And we're going to be found at pretty much any major podcast site. If, if you want to find us, you will be able to find us. Yep, so Pinecast, Podbean, all that good stuff. Uh, Let your friends know about the podcast. Hit us with that five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on. And if you have any suggestions for the show, uh, let us know over at contact at popdoc.com. We love getting fan mail. We love hearing feedback. So anything you guys have to say to us, let us know. Uh, But with that, we're going to get right back into the Lich King Arthas. So two weeks ago, we or I guess a month ago, we talked about um Arthas before the fall before like or in the process of him be you know becoming the Lich King so now we're actually going to get into you know his history of after basically he kills his dad and then onward into him actually sitting on the frozen throne I understand that uh as Maze brought to my attention the last time we did Arthas we got we jumped over everywhere we were all over the place so we're going to kind of rehash some things and others we're going to kind of revisit or visit for the first time mainly because we just haven't had a chance to talk about it. Uh, I prefaced the the first time we did Arthas, the fact that he's a really important character. There's been a lot of stuff going on with him, so his history is all over the place. But with that, we're going to jump right into it. So we're going to pick up right where we left off with him running his dad, King uh, Tyrannus II, through the heart. Um, basically, him, Falric, and Marwyn just uh, take off after that. He goes and raises uh, Invincible, his, his horse, and then he, his next step is to go get Kel'Thuzad from a, from a crypt that's guarded by a paladin. Um, he gets KT. KT's basically decaying, so he knows he needs to get a magical urn to put KT in so he doesn't, like, uh, disintegrate, more or less. That urn, because there's been this massive time gap between him killing his dad and getting uh, Kel'Thuzad, actually holds his dad's ashes. So this is where we get to see one of the big fights between him and Uther. Um, this Uther, of course, is a character that's raised Arthas, more or less. Um, as a paladin, and uh, you get a really brief fight between the two of them. This is also the first time you get to see that Arthas' disconnect from the Frozen Throne is actually affecting him, and Nerezo was like, dude, you gotta get up here real fast. Um, So him and Uther get into it. Uh, Uther, of course, dies, and basically his last words are saying there's a a spot in hell reserved for you, with Arthas saying, nah, dude, I'm gonna live forever. So basically, he gets Kel'Thuzad in the urn, now and then he needs to travel to the Sunwell to basically resurrect him. Um, he starts heading up to Quel'Thalas, of course, the ancient homeland of the, uh, the elves, the high elves specifically. Um, and then that's where he runs into Sylvanas, um, who is at the time an archer, uh, actually no, the ranger general, sorry. And he ends up killing her before her and the rest of her forces can really warn the capital, raises her because he, you know, she put up such a fight and, uh, t- makes her as a banshee. 
He then proceeds down uh, into the Silver Moon City, rips through it, and then kills Anisterian Sunstrider, who is the, the current lord of uh, Silver Moon, and chucks KT into the Sunwell, and boom, we have uh, Lich King Kalthazad, which we're all familiar with. Um, after this, they are told by Archimond, after communing with him in a demonic portal, that he needs to go to Dalaran to get Medivh's book. Um, they go, they basically run rampant in Dalaran, get Medivh's book, and summon Archimond into uh, the mortal plane, pretty much. Because of this, Archimond's like, sick, you guys you guys did my job for me, now you, uh, I don't need you anymore. I don't need Kel'Thuzad, I don't need Arthas, and that's it. Um, as most of us know, Archimond runs rampant, destroys Dalaran, and then goes up to Hygel. Um, for a brief time after this, this is when things get really weird, me and Maze kind of talked about this at the beginning, Arthas and Kel'Thuzad show up for no reason in Kalimdor to have like a brief conversation with Illidan, who's tracking the Skull of Gul'dan, and he basically tells them how to use it, and then they just like, they pull a Homer Simpson and just like fade back into the, you know, the uh, the brush, like that's it, that's the only time you see them. And then they come back to Lordaeron, we have no real idea what like the time gap is in this, I think it's, you know, stated to be a couple months, but we don't really know. Um... He ends up killing, like, a lot of the remaining humans. He wants to uh, retake Lordaeron sort of thing because he wants it to be his. And then they tell him, it's like, no, dude, you, like, you know, Nizazul hits him with another seizure being like, you need to get back here because you're, you're starting to die. Because of this, because he's weakening, Sylvanas doesn't have a hold on him anymore. And she ends up betraying him, right? She becomes, you know, uh, the Sylvanas we kind of know, not know right now, but we knew, we knew for a while. Um, so Sylvanas is now out of the picture. Nerzul uh, basically freaks out, being like, hey, like Ilden's on his way with a bunch of forces of blood elves, who are, of course, pissed at Arthas. Uh, Naga, led by Lady Vash, and all of that. So Arthas and uh, and Kel'Thuzad start heading up to heading up to Ice Crown. Uh, when he gets to Ice Crown, he runs into Kel'Thas, who's, you know, of course, livid, um, and basically wants to kill Arthas and Kel'Thuzad. The basically the only reason I think he survives this is because Anubarak shows up. Anubarak being the crypt lord of the Nerubians, the the you know the undead spider people. Um Anubarak and Arthas kind of go into the tunnels. Um he fights faceless, he fights dwarves and he fights Nerubi like alive Nerubians, guys who are kind of like just like refugees after the the fall up of fallout of Azor Nerub. Um, and then he meets up with Anubarak at the end. Um, Anubarak's like, I can see why he picked you sort of thing. Um, at the end of all of this, he ends up confronting Illidan. The duel is super short, but really, really intense. I do recommend anybody checking out the reforged version of this this fight. It's really, really good. Um, he ends up winning. He basically tells uh, Illidan to never return to Azeroth. And then goes and sits on the Throws and Throne. And then bonds with Ner'zhul. And then we have our Lich King. We have our actual Lich King who waits up there until we try and go kill him and get the Invincible Mound. Um, so, like our previous episode with Arthas, we're going to do the same topics because I think it's just only right that we kind of do both episodes the same layout. So we're going to talk about the believability of Arthas becoming from what he was uh, after he kills his dad into the current Lich King. The execution of him going from basically killing his father into turning into the Lich King, bonding with Nerzul, all the good stuff. His character design as a Death Knight, um, I know we kind of dabbled with this a, a decent amount 
um, our last episode, so this won't be a huge focus to, for us. And then interactions with other characters. So Archimon, Kel'Thuzad, who's basically like his best friend, and uh, Uther, got characters like that. And then the end result of this: are we happy with this part of his story? I know we are all thrilled with how he turned out the lot, like what how his story was told and how he got to where he was. But now we're going to talk about the second part, how happy we are with that. So, Maze, I just talked a whole lot, and now we're going to talk about the believability of Arthas's fall, for either for even further from Grace into the Lich King himself. Um, how do you think they did this? How do you think the like you know the believability really transitioned over into this part of his story? So, I don't think they could have done anything better. Um, okay. For a lot of it, I think it kind kind of comes down to because uh, a lot of the buildup is I need power, I need power, I need power to protect my people and then it turned into like once he got frostmourne it was like a switch flick in his head and it to protect my people part was just gone it's just, i need power and you kind of saw a little bit more a lot a little bit of that while he was in northrend and for anybody doing it, it it's going to be the quest chain and of course it'll be the warcraft 3 um like his travel up to northrend but also just the quest chain and uh southern dragon blight no Oh, you're talking yeah. about the Forgotten, uh, the Cursed Coast or whatever? Correct, yes. I think that is Southern yeah, yeah. Dragonblight. Um, that, that chain is fantastic. I, I definitely suggest for anybody who wants to get that, that hit of nostalgia. Because I know I, I just did it again for the first time in over a decade. And I was like, wow. Because it, it still hits. Like seeing, seeing firsthand like uh, the fallout of him. Not only like getting his men up there, but then hiring mercenaries to attack his men burn down the ships that have no way back and it's you can kind of see like a lot of his switch happens right there in northrend um you don't see it too much beforehand so you you got to be paying attention to it so it's definitely worth revisiting that quest chain and i i think going for the world of warcraft ch- uh, chain it, it really does feel good um i i think they did it justice as much as they could in a video game yeah, okay, that's that's good to know that that's kind of what we're we're happy with that, right? I think like yeah, it's it, it, a lot of this is occurs kind of off not off screen but before his actual like uh this storyline, right? It happens in the last one where he's already he's already broken, right? So you're already like, okay, this like now he just is like I don't know, it kind of removes the depth from from Arthas a little bit for me that like he was this very conflicted character throughout this whole thing and now we get to him actually picking up Frostmourne and he's just like full tilt like I'm going to be the power the most powerful I'm going to rule Azeroth all that stuff right so it it's a I, I I think you're right I don't think they can really do it any better I don't know what tweaks to make um I like I know I know what tweaks I'd make in like the continuity and stuff like that as far as like distance travel like you and I talked about this yesterday um about <laughs> like how the like how he kind of bounces all over the place but I mean yeah, like how do you how do you fix that stuff, right? Like, I mean, you just make it more linear, I guess. But I mean, other than that, like his character and stuff like that, I think, yeah, he just transitions from somebody who's super conflicted to knowing what he wants. It's just what he wants is not a good thing, right? Yep. And as far as the continuity, so like I know for Warcraft three specifically, this is all happening in the expansion. So this is while um, Orgrimmar like just got built. Uh, the the night elves are have just been like properly introduced, so you have like all these forces coming up to the world tree. Once Archimond enters, or at least tries to enter uh, 
Azeroth again to destroy the world tree leading up to the event that would lead to the Night Elves uh, kind of purging it of its power and abandoning their or sacrificing their own immortality. Uh, Arthas was there. The Scourge was there. And a, a large part of him going to Kalimdor to explain to Illidan for the Skull of Gul'dan was to get them to was to get him to use the power of the skull to kill Tychondrius. Because you have a Dreadlord, a massive, a powerful general in the army of the of the demons. It, it was a beacon for Illidan. And th- this is all happening around the time when, uh, with Archimonde coming to Kalimdor, the, the Ner'zhul is kind of being tossed aside. The entirety of the Scourge is put in underneath Tychondrius' uh, control. Ner'zhul's like, if we don't do something, I'm going to be killed again. And I don't want to go through that because it was not a it was not a pleasant transition for him to go from orc shaman, <laughs> orc warlock to shattered soul inside of this armor. <laughs> he doesn't he, he he's kind of tired of that. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, I think that, that's where a lot of that comes from. Is uh, it got real real messy, but it's it, it was gonna happen. So I I think that they yeah. did the best they could, especially in Warcraft three, for for well, an expansion. <laughs> Yeah, and that's just it. Like, I mean, the Frozen Throne was the, the was the Warcraft expansion. So, I actually haven't seen if they actually like not retconned, but like tweaked any of this stuff in the the Reforged version, or if they just did like a one for one, like basically like copy pasta. I'm not 100 percent sure. I haven't actually played through it. I just I played Tower Defense, but uh, uh, yeah. So I, I I'd be interested to check that out. But yeah, like I mean, it is a little messy. And I mean, again, we didn't get all of the Arthas story. Um, I, and like, like through Warcraft three, like a lot of our praise to Warcraft, uh, or to Arthas and his story is from the book, right? That, that part is so, so well fleshed out and you get so much more depth with Arthas because of the book, right? So this is really our first encounter being like, okay, like we only have the game to work off of, right? So yeah, I think for what they had, they definitely, they definitely made it work, right? So, um, let's talk about the execution. Let's talk about how well they think we the, we think they did this like i mean my big my big bone to pick with this whole thing is like for the length of how long he was weakening till it took him to get the ice crown you know what i mean like that seemed like a weird a weird time kind of gate you know what i mean like it took longer than i felt it should have now are you saying it took longer for him to weaken or it took longer for him to get to ice crown than it should have it took it took it took longer for him to actually like decide to go to ice crown yeah, I, I really think they probably should have, like, Ner'zhul should have picked up on it earlier. Was like, I, I need to do something because I can't keep being in this block of ice. Uh, he probably should have called on Arthas a little sooner. That that might have been the, the devs just trying to build up the tension of the moment because, like, they, they had Ner'zhul as, like, the last moment that Ner'zhul could possibly be before the, the helmet was placed on Arthas's head. And it, it could have also have been, like, Ner'zhul waiting as long as he possibly could and it coming down to am I willing to risk my own identity to stay alive because as, as soon as Arthas puts on the helm and I, I don't it's it's not very clear if it's immediate or if it's kind of happening over the years of uh, relative peace while uh, the heroes go off to do like classic uh, vanilla wow and then into burning crusade if during that time how long was Arthas really fighting Ner'zhul for dominance and of course his own inner human soul because you have the three parts of the Lich King which is Arthas, Arthas's uh, innocence and Ner'zhul. Yeah. We don't know how long yeah. that struggle was so I, I can kind of see it from a 
if, if Ner'zhul knew that he'd have to fight for power inside of Arthas and he knew how strong Arthas was, I, I can kind of see why he would wait as long as possible before calling on his champion, yeah. Right, to kind of wait for the for him to kind of wear down so he could win that. Because, I mean, it is it is cited that, like, basically once he does actually take up the mantle of, like, like once he actually, like, you know, puts on the Helm of Dominance and stuff like that, he becomes the dominant personality amongst the three of them, right? And, yeah, maybe, like, Nerzul just wasn't, like, I mean, Nerzul's always been kind of crafty, right? Like, we did, we have talked about at length that he kind of got, like, dicked around by Gul'dan, right? But, I mean, he's still, like, he's still out for number one, right? So... I think he thought it was going to be way more of, like, the two guys work together and then he'll be able to play, like, the long con and basically, you know, become the dominant personality again. But, I mean, like, as we know, Arthas had different plans for that, right? Like, Yeah, it's kind of a recurring theme, and I, I can't wait to do a Ner'zhul episode in the future where Ner'zhul's like, yeah, man, I got this great plan. I'm going to be the biggest, baddest dude around. And then a dude with just bigger aspirations just comes out of nowhere. And he's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a recurring theme of the poor guy. Yeah, ex- like, and that's just it, right? That seems to be the constant trend of Ner'zhul, right? We, uh, yeah, the, we'll, we'll, he's definitely getting an episode at some point. He has to. Um, so let's talk about uh, his, like him as a as a character at this point, right? Like, I mean, he had his own, like, like I mean, in the game, he had his own unique model where it was like you know him on the horse and stuff like that. But I mean, like, like I mean, is he just more or less like a generic Death Knight at this point, running around with Frostmourne? That to me, that's always how I kind of interpreted it, which. It's kind of bland, right? Like, I mean, he's like he's your traditional death knight, you know, on a mount. But that's it. That's as far as it goes, right? I, I mean, I think mechanically, yeah. I, I remember with Warcraft three, uh, my, my favorite thing with the death knight is they were more the healers, anyways, because they were still kind of squishy, and all most of their abilities healed the undead. So it was better to have them in the back, kind of just commanding. I mean, yeah, he had his own model. Uh, I, I, I think the big thing is just. Uh, well, I'm trying to think, and I, I don't know how much he interacts with the other, the other Death Knight heroes. I don't know. I don't remember how much. I don't think he does at all, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's pretty much just him independently. It's him and KT the entire time, right? Yeah, I think for the main campaign, it was pretty much he was the only Death Knight hero, uh, with the other Death Knights kind of just being a rolled option for whenever you're playing in the multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. So for that, I, I think it works fine. He, he's running around on. What we'll later in the book we'll we'll learn is uh, is invincible. Yeah, that wasn't even fleshed out initially, right? He was just he just got a horse, right? Like, yep, uh, it was just kind of part of that fantasy for the Death Knights, and I think it was something to just further push them away from like the Paladin model. Which bless Christy Golden, who was like, "That's a horse he's riding around on. We're gonna make this special for him." We're, we're gonna make it. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, like that is such a like a, a smart turn to be like, "I'm gonna make. I'm gonna run with this, right? Like, I can I can do something with that." So, um. Yeah, then the, the next thing I do want to kind of, like, revisit with this, with the character design and stuff like that, is that we got one cinematic of him in the, like, him, like, killing his dad, right? That, I think that scene is so iconic that if we got more, like, we got to see more of that character of Arthas, like, of course we can't because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's an RTS game and all that stuff. Like, mechanics aside, like, if we got more cinematics of this, you know, like, very darkened warrior kind of thing with, you know, Falric and Marwin like, flanking him and stuff like that. Like, that gave me chills. That cinematic is still, to, to this day, one of my favorite ones of all time because it, like, it, like, that fleshed out Arthas's whole character just by a visual, you know what I mean? And I think that is, like, the pinnacle of his character. Yeah, uh, and also for anybody who would have any other second thoughts that 
Arthas Menethil is a one-for-one, like a better told version of Anakin. Like that is, that scene right there, him walking into the throne room with everybody like peaceful, but like you can see that darkness, the pale skin, the eyes is so, it will never not bring up images of Anakin walking into the council chambers, ready to just like rage war for episode three when he's, when he's becoming Vader. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like pre-armored Vader. God, they did such a good job with that cinematic. It still holds up so good to this day. It really does. Like as from like uh from like a just like a three D rendering like aspect. Like that like it's basically timeless. Like I don't know how you would fix it, right? Now I mean like we do see we do see like modern day cinematics, like the the duel between Sylvanas and Bolvar. Like, I mean that was like incredible as well. But I mean this one just had like a different mood to it, so you didn't need all these like you didn't need a fight, right? Like you just needed to set the mood. So for me, that like was the icing on the cake for Arthas like seeing him like that and then of course eventually seeing him sit on the frozen throne that was another like super good moment right so between those two character designs it was great it it sucks that we don't get to see a lot of like that in game but it is what it is right it's just like when the game is released the next thing I want to get uh, get into, and I think we'll spend a bit more time in this, is his interactions with other characters. I want to specifically start with Kel'Thuzad because <laughs> Kel'Thuzad like I mean despite being like uh, like uh, like a quasi advisor, like this might like I think Kelzad might be like the only quote unquote friend that Arthas had at the point when he was like a Death Knight. You know what I mean? Like when he was doing this transition into the Lich King. Yeah, I I could see that. Even before Nerzua was like, okay, we got to break from the Legion. Kelzad was was an Arthas fanatic from like the beginning. He was like, this kid's going places, which is a a, a stark because like Kelzad had a had a crazy start into the Scourge as well, being just a a Dalaran mage, kind of sort of like he was like this. This is intense. And if anybody hasn't seen it, there are some excellent, excellent fan made pieces on YouTube surrounding Kel'Thuzad. Definitely check them out. But um, yeah, his his character. That's another great episode down the down the line. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he was definitely an Arthas fanboy early on. And besides just being a powerful lich, I, I think there was, I, I think having Arthas just scream a straight line through the most magically advanced society period and just rampaging through their entire city just to resurrect them i mean if you're gonna get a bro like a bromance that's a good that's a good start um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and i i really liked a lot of their interactions throughout because uh there was a there there was a i wouldn't say uncharacteristic because like I, I don't know. I'm loath to use the word trust, but both of them seem to have their own free will to an extent in, in following their Zul. But both of them seem to also trust each other's uh, each other's insight throughout their battles um, as they went through Lordaeron and into like uh, Kalimdor and back to Northrend, etc. Yeah, like all over all over the freaking map. Yeah, that was just it. It was like it was like I, I don't want. I don't think trust is the word, but it, like they they did like kind of feed off each other, right? Like I mean, they both kind of had mutual interests, and like I mean, they both worked together to achieve it without ever having like this this sense of like betrayal and stuff like that to be needed to be worried about, right? So yeah, like he's one of them. I think his fight with Uther was incredible. Um, I think like in just the the dialogue from that alone, like really. I know, I know we've kind of harped on Uther as a character because, like, he was just so uncharacteristic at the culling. But at this point, like, I mean, you know, you got you got full-blown pissed off Uther who, like, saw his star pupil just turn into an absolute monster, right? Yep. It was uh, Obi-Wan versus uh, Anakin. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm seeing a lot. I'm seeing a lot of similarities. Yeah, but Arthas had the high ground this time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited nice. to see nice. what uh, more of Uther. I'm not going to get too much into spoilers for Shadowlands, but I'm excited to see more of him and, and see how that plays out. We we don't yet know how much. So like it, it was already confirmed months ago that we would see Uther in Shadowlands. We're not sure how much of uh. The, the Lich King stuff he's even aware of. We, we've seen him. We had his help in Legion uh, with the Paladin uh, class hall quest. Yeah, I'm excited to see the impact there. And I'm I'm happy to see more of Uther. And uh, I, I really hope they do some call outs to what happened. I, I would love to see Jaina meet Uther again after everything that's happened. Yeah, because I mean, like, that's just it. Like, he has to be kind of a, like has to be kind of aware of what Arthas did and when he became, right? Because like, yeah, he like he pops back up in Legion, right? And he's like, hey guys, what's up? Like I'm still I'm still kind of tied to this realm, you know what I mean? So you'd think he would have some idea now that we're getting into Shadowlands and like there is like somebody can commune with him, right? Like um and not just like a fleeting moment. Like he's kind of he's kind of perpetually there, right? It would be nice to see what his thoughts were. And this and like to me that would be like a question on like what Blizzard does with Uther, right? Like, I mean, I will be in, in, like immensely disappointed if like there's no emotional strain on Uther because of what Arthas became, right? Like, I mean, but like Uther died before really any of the really bad shit happened, right? Like, I mean, like I guess well, okay, I guess killing your dad is pretty bad, but um, there's killing your dad that's bad, and then there's like I think another part that would have broken Uther was knowing like. Because you can see, like, Arthas still had fragments of human of his humanity, but at this point, it was angering him more than anything. Because he didn't just kill Savannah's. He raised, he, he saw pretty much a better version of his, of his human half, and where Savannah's was deeply beloved by her people. Um, she was fiercely loyal to him, had the power to protect them until pretty much death itself literally banged on the doorstep, but was a huge pain in Arthas's ass. Like, nobody held him back like Sylvanas did. And that's why he ripped her soul out to the point that any time she spoke, it decimated her her whole family around her. And she was used, she was forced as a weapon. Like, early Sylvanas, we're not going to get into what's happening right now, but, like, early Sylvanas was so painfully good. Uh, and I think knowing how he tortured her, like, Uther would have broke. Yeah, and the, yeah, uh, I think that's like I mean that's a and that's a great segue into into Sylvanas too, right? Like I mean, like 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 you said, like I mean, early Sylvanas was this very like beloved and like tragic character, right? For Arthas to be the catalyst, of that you know what I mean? Like it just shows like I think progress like after like I, like you said like it's like tied to like basically when he got Frostmourne and it just went downhill. I mean, the calling was pretty bad, but like I mean, you could still say. The calling wasn't the worst because he like felt justified in his actions because it was like a greater good sort of thing. Frostmourne, once he got Frostmourne in his hands, he didn't give a shit, man. Like it was all, it was all Arthas all the way. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think with Sylvanas, like, and then her eventual betrayal and stuff like that. Like to me, like I almost felt like Arthas knew it was coming. He just did like brush it off. He's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not shocked. You know what I mean? Like. He, I mean, he's always been praised for, like, being a tactician and stuff like that and being, like, a brazen tactician, right? So, I mean, to do something like this and then know you're kind of, way, like, you know, starting to fade a little bit, like, he probably had an idea, like, somebody was going to try and stab him in the back. Yeah, he, he definitely, uh, 
I'm sure it didn't come to any shock that once Nerzul's <laughs> power started to wane, that Sylvanas, like, it might have been shocking. It's like, okay, somebody can break the, the, the ironclad rule of the Lich King. Didn't know that was possible. But if it was going to be anybody, yeah, of course it was Sylvanas. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, and that's, cause that's another thing, like, Nerzul was like, yeah, okay, I, I can have free will whenever I'm, I'm powerful. Why would I go against the Lich King? So I, I think that further deepens their bond a little bit, but it makes perfect sense in Sylvanas for Sylvanas breaking off with some of the Forsaken with her own will. God, I miss early Sylvanas. It was so good. Oh, we we all do. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, the, the the Windrunner family as a whole, I think, should be something we we touch on at some point because they like the like the 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 sister dynamic amongst the three of them is just so incredible, and then like. The jackass cousin who like uh, who exists in like specifically I think just in the lore I don't know if he actually got like a model in game or anything like that but yeah there's a there's a bad wind runner out there that's not Sylvanas but yeah I guess like I mean there is some character interactions we can talk about like I mean like the relate like I I know you and I wanted to talk about like the interaction with Archimon and how Archimon was like yo okay I don't need you guys anymore I'm here now you know what I mean like. This was like their grand scheme, and then Archimon was just kind of like, I don't, I don't care, you know what I mean? Like, I'm done with you guys. I'm here now, right? So, that to me was a weird interaction. Now, I guess like it's not on Arthas' side. Arthas was like, all right, dude, I'm gonna go off and do my own thing, right? With with KT, and we're gonna go to Kalimdor and talk to Illidan. But it just seems so weird for me from like the, from the Scourge standpoint that they just didn't use them anymore, like because Arthas was already pretty badass and pretty powerful to begin with same with Kel'Thuzad and stuff like that and the Undead Scourge as a whole right like I mean I'm kind of shocked that that's kind of how that part of his story went yeah I, I think what it was like the biggest strength of the Scourge by far was that it was an entire army that had absolutely zero free will so it wouldn't fracture and splinter like it did like the Orc Horde did because that, that, Archimon was like okay obviously Orcs have way too much pride um can't can't have that and then yet again he saw an army that fra- started to fracture and splinter under people's powerful free will so he kind of put it under Tychondrius and was like all right you take care of them i'm gonna go take care of this tree and then we'll figure it out from there um probably just gonna destroy Nerzul because I, I there's no need for Nerzul if we can just take direct control now that we're here on azeroth and obviously Nerzul hearing that going that's not good. <laughs> I, I I think it makes sense in that light. Could, could they have built that up a little bit better? Probably. But around that time, we're already deep into this expansion. And they're trying to build us up into uh, the, the big showdown at the tree. And then again, in Ice Crown. So I, I can kind of give the devs a little bit of leniency for kind of speeding that whole process along. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's a, a, a good point to bring up, especially about this stage of Arthas, right? Because I think a lot of it was that the de- devs had their hands tied because they were like, you know, they had to tell a story within an expansion. But like, I mean, you had multiple storylines going on. That was always like Warcraft's like big appeal was that you had like, you know, especially in Warcraft three, you had the night elves, you had the horde, you had the undead. And, uh, you know, you had the, uh, the humans and the orcs, right? Like what I might've doubled up on one of those, but anyways, yeah. Like you needed to tell all these stories simultaneously, and make them kind of all kind of converge at one point or another, right? So, yeah, I think I think we could have gotten like Christy Golding Arthas levels of execution if the devs had more time, or like I just don't know why they just don't keep her as like a co- a constant consultant. You know what I mean? Like she just seems 
I like I know I I've read some places that people have bones to pick with her as far as writing and stuff like that, but it seems like I don't know as far as like Blizzard writers, she's probably one of the best, and I think if she got her hands on this part of his story as well, it would be just as executed, well executed as the as the first part. Oh yeah, I I 100% agree. Um, I think a lot of that is. The, the books themselves seem to tell the tale uh, leading into things or they kind of just further flesh things out that won't be described in game. I think they they try very hard not to ever overlap the two. So I, I doubt we'll ever get like any game stuff about Arthas's past unless it's like very specifically mostly out of lore stuff. Like anything Caverns of Time, I don't really see as lore. It, it's a raw mechanics to get us to be able to experience Colina Stratholm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Golden is the head writer one of the head writers now so we definitely see more of her i, I i'm excited for her new book coming out in october go pre-order yeah. that book people you, we're all lore fans here i support all there, the lore. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a shameless plug for christy golden but like i mean i think that's i think that's honestly a theme of us at this point is that like anything christy golden touches we're like yo you need to read that right just because she does such a good job um but yeah, like, Maze, do you have anything else you want to kind of, like, rehash and revisit? I know, like, I mean, this was, I think, with just the two of us, a much more linear podcast than with, like, Chucking Warren in here, and then it's the three of us, and we're just all over the place all the time. But uh, is there anything, uh, like, closing points you want to talk about with Arthas? Lich King Arthas? Yeah, actually. So we can also talk about, like, Wrath of the Lich King, because we, we didn't talk too much about him actually being the Lich King, and we got a little bit of time That's left. That's true, yeah. So I really... I like the fact, and it's something that I don't think a whole lot of people talk about, is that Arthas was in Northrend. Like we talked, obviously we met the uh, the Nerubians. I don't remember if the Vrykul came out in Warcraft Three, but we definitely meet them. Some of the first people that we meet, especially in the Howling Fjord. Howling Fjord is one of my favorite lore zones ever because we find out that Arthas is being worshipped as a literal god at this point in time, and, and for Wrath of the Lich King, Arthas has become. Uh, at least for the Vrykul, the god of death. And it's it's so, so good to have had this big bad, and like you can see, like they just keep building him up. Because he, he was indomitable. It was horrifying anytime he was around, because you're like, I'm going to die. Anytime he was around. Um, and his, his forces were all over the place, like, and doing well. Like, they completely took over one of the most ancient troll cities period and we dealt with that's kind of our very first few times actually seeing um very very notable trolls that only just now finally have their have their storylines wrapping up so oh i suddenly blanked on his name um the troll who led the coup against rastakhan and bfa oh uh zol thank you yes that's the first yeah. time that we see um see him uh we this is kind of our first time like i think we had hints of wansamdi for the first time, I can't remember if that was that or if it was uh, one of the troll raids from BC. But um, yeah, it how they did Wrath was so good. And I think a lot of us just know that. Even if we don't fully remember, we just kind of innately know it was so powerful. I guess my turn to ask you, like, do you agree? Do you, do you think they could have done anything better uh, representing Arthas and Wrath? Um, Actually, no. I think, I think Arthas in-game and Wrath was masterfully done because... Like unlike a bunch of other expansions I've found, Arthas's presence was everywhere. Like, I mean, he he kept popping up and being like, yo, you're this you know, I'm gonna empower this follower or I'm sending like it was um 
it was it, were, it was kind of like Cataclysm, just less. I felt Cataclysm and Deathwing's present was more force. Where he was, you know, the Lich King was being a commander. You know what I mean? Like, not only was he a god, but he was also like again, like going back to Arthas's character. He is a tactician, like he or tacticianary, like he is tactician, tactician. Yeah, he's like you know he's handing out orders. He's like you know delegating to like various like lieutenants and stuff like that, right? Like he is like. You know, he's everywhere, and his influence is everywhere, and I think it was just so well done that, he, you know, he wasn't, like, you're, like, you didn't fight Arthas, like, 15 times like you do in the Thanos, and, like, you never actually kill him. Like, Arthas, you never get a chance to kill him, or he, like, kills you, and then somebody kind of, like, bring, comes back and, like, helps you out and, like, brings you back or something like that, or he, like, you know, just, like, em- empowers one minion or another, and then he's gone again, right? But, like, I mean, you never forget that he's there. The only place that you don't really feel, um, you know, his kind of grip, I feel like is, is shoals basin. But like, I mean, you still have that massive landslide that coming down from ice ground that like, you know, like his, his horde is right there and he can like unleash it if he wants to. Right. So, and then, and then you get the grand scheme of like, when you actually fight Arthas being like, you guys screwed up. You just brought me 25 or 10 of the most powerful champions in Azeroth. And now they're mine. And then he kills you. Like, he straight up kills you. You don't win. Like, like that's... To me, that was just, like, so, so well done, right? Like, I mean, there was no... There's no touching that. You can't... I don't know if you can touch that. Yep. I know uh, Ian confirmed that they're going kind of back to that. The Jailer's going to be the big bad for Shadowlands. And we'll we'll see for, for 9.3 if anything new is introduced from what I've seen so far, it looks like they're kind of going back to their roots with that, and it's it's I'm excited for that because obviously we can't have we can't talk Arthas without talking the Jailer and the very powers, like the source of his powers of Maldraxxus and the Shadowlands and the Maw. But yeah, I agree because even out in like not just Shoulderzar Basement, like all the way out to like Grizzly Hills, which you don't really see too much undead outside of like some some of the undead trolls, which is a different form of undead because you're dealing with Laloa and Voodoo, but uh. Even out there, like, all the way out to uh, the, the worgen that are there, which are the worgen from, I believe they're Arugal's worgen from Shadowfang. Yeah, they yeah. yeah um, they are there specifically to fight the undead. So even in these zones where he has no actual physical presence, his actions are still radiating out in really powerful ways. And I, I just always, always really appreciated that. Like, even if he's not actively there, he's there. It, it, it's something they haven't really been able to hit in a very long time. They kind of did it with Wad, but it kind of like beat you over the head with it because everything was about the Iron Horde. But they did try, and I give them credit for that. Um, Legion, I mean, it was just green fire everywhere, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it was such a stark contrast because it was green fire, and then the, an invasion stopped, and it just went back to like whatever zone you were in. Maybe there's some demons around. I don't know. Maybe it's it's also just the fact that I was so young when I did Wrath. It was my first real expansion when I finally started wrapping my head around the whole game. Yeah, there was definitely something special about Arthas and Wrath of the Lich King. Yeah, and I I think that is something I kind of wanted for us to like end it on is that like our love of Arthas and the community's love of Arthas. Uh, I'm always I'm always a little concerned that it's because of nostalgia um, more than anything, but like and even like talking about it again like i've i very very much have tried to kind of come with this like objectively and been like you know is this well written is this well done and i can't help but be like no this is like this is the dude this is arthas right like this is the lich king and 
that seems to just overshadow any sort of objectivity I have. You know what I mean? Like, I just, you can't do it. So, I would very much, like, it's, it really sucks that we don't have Warren here. Because Warren is, like, uh, as well, we've kind of brought up before, like, Warren's like a Legion baby. Like, he is, came in at the very, very end of Legion. Um, and, like, it very much only knows the story. He didn't play through it and stuff like that. Um, so I would love to get his take on it because like, like I, you and I are just like, you know, we're old grizzled vets that have just, you know, been around for so long. So it would be nice to know somebody's like a, a new opinion on this. Um, so maybe we'll do like a, like a, like a one-off quick episode or like maybe we'll just get like more into solo record his thoughts on Arthas because I think, I think it is a, an opinion that we need because right now it's just like. I, I know I'm speaking for me, but you've, you've made the contrast to like Vader and himself and like, you know, all that stuff that Arthas is like your Vader, right? Like, I mean, he's like so concreted in your life that it's it, like, to, I, I don't know. Am I, am I wrong that saying it's hard to be objective when it comes to him? You're wrong because it's, uh, so like for a lot of people, I'm like, I'm a nineties baby. So I'm just young enough to never have really hit star Wars in, in, in that way just mm-hmm. old enough to where um like warcraft was the majority of my life it was my first big fandom yeah and of course arthas not only with warcraft 3 being like one of the first like he was kind of like one of the main characters of warcraft 3 if we're gonna have a main character he was like the only one who was standing on top of everything at the end of that game everyone else lost and he he had nothing like outside of like his humanity he had nothing but victories throughout that whole thing and then, of course, in, into Wrath, where it was the first time, like, the, in the MMO, where, like, I finally was able to start, like, raiding and, like, I want to beat Arthas. Like, Illidan really never hit that for me. Yeah, it, it, it it's hard to stay objective. I try as I might. It's, I, I think, and I think, to their credit, Blizzard knows that, and that's why he's not going to be a centerpiece of Shadowlands. Like, we should see him. We haven't yet. I don't know where he is. We're all looking. But, uh... I think that's really, really smart of Blizzard to be like, we're not going anywhere near that because we're not going to taint this one perfect nugget of World of Warcraft. Well, yeah, I mean, Arthas's legacy is like is universally praised, right? So for them to go back and start messing with it, I think would just it would just not be good. Like, I mean, we like, I mean, we saw it with Illidan, right? Like, I mean, they Illidan, I think, is I I I always consider as far as like tragically well-executed character or tragic well-executed characters Illidan is another one that they almost mastered but then they they brought him back in Legion and don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not against what what like how they kind of did Illidan but I just I just feel like I was like well shit man you brought him back like now you you know now like the risk is there right <laughs> like I mean uh we like, I think we we talked about like the Vindicar scene with him you know the you know the uh the famous I am my scars right like I mean yes it's a phenomenal moment but you're looking in the grand scheme of Elden, you're like ah, oh, shit like i mean now we have this one weird moment that's associated with him that doesn't really make sense you know what i mean so i just yeah i don't want them to, i don't want them to touch Arthas again they're not allowed <laughs> like blizzard, <laughs> blizzard don't go anywhere near him again man yeah i i, I agree um <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that they're using a very soft touch with future Arthas stuff i i loved the nods to him in BFA when they were talking through Jaina's storyline. Obviously, he has an impact on nearly every major, uh, or, or some of the most major lore characters. Like, he heavily impacted Jaina. I'm, I'm actually shocked, like, the Silver Hand hasn't, like, done more about it. And then, But, of course, uh, even on the Horde side, like, 
Sylvanas wouldn't exist without him. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what exactly they do in in Shadowlands. And I and I think if we talk about them one more time, it would be whether actually no, I think this would be a great a great thing. Do you think Arthas could be redeemed in Shadowlands? And, and if so, where where do you think he would be if he's not burning in the maw, being tortured in the maw? <laughs> what zone do you think he would be in? Uh, I almost don't want him to be redeemed. You know what I mean? Like I like he like <sighs> I, yeah, I don't. I want him to stay this, this stay this evil character that like that had this tragic downfall. But if there was a zone I would see him in, it would probably. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe Maldraxxus. Like I, I, I guess. Like that would be, that would be the zone. Like the, the um, might is right. Um, power makes all zone. Pretty much, yeah. Like that. Like I mean, the only other, the only other thing I think I could see, and it would be. They'd have to, I don't know, they'd have to do some, like, story writing gymnastics to make him end up in the, as a Kyrian. But, like, I mean, Venthyr and uh, El- Elderweed? Elderweld? Ardenweld. Ardenweld, thank you, yeah. Those two just don't really make sense to me. But, um, yeah, I think I think Maldrax is first and Kyrian second. How about you? I've got your, uh, I, I have your story gymnastics. I, oh, let's hear it. I personally would love to see... Arthas split to where that that nugget of humanity, that little child in him, that that innocence, becomes Kyrian. So we can see like a version of him there, while all that evil deed and whatnot, that other part of his soul, that we don't yet know if it was fully the human part, or because of Frostmourne, still kind of there, just burning in the mall. Oh, that would be good. I like that. Like actually, because I mean, he is like this this combination of of like three people. Actually, no. Like, I, could we do like Nerzul Ma? Arthas, Harthas, Maldraxxus, and then he, like like Innocence Arthas, Kyrian, maybe I don't know. <laughs> like I guess I guess Nerzul is kind of like a, like its own separate character, but um, yeah, I think that would be fun to play with. But yeah, um, I think I think we fully covered Arthas at least. Uh, I think so. And, and until Blizzard gives us more. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've kind of touched on everything. So for that, everybody who's listening, that wraps up this episode in Organic. Yeah, guys, uh, make sure to tell all your friends to uh, give us a listen. Please, please uh, send us any of your feedback, especially if you have any future uh, topics you'd like covered. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's popped underscore off, or uh, on the website poppedoff.com, and any of your favorite podcast places, Spotify, iTunes, etc. Yep, and if you mean like... like uh... Like uh, May said, if you have any suggestions for uh, any episodes, either DM us on Twitter or if you don't use Twitter, it's totally fine. Hit us up at uh, contact at poppedoff.com. Uh, we love getting the uh, the mail. <laughs> so that's all for this week, guys. We, uh, we're we going to get into our next week's discussion. We're actually going to be talking about uh, cross-faction play and the lore, whether it supports it or not. This will be our first um, discuss- like real discussion episode uh it'll be a debate between myself and uh myself and maze and then warren will be kind of like you know the mediator we're gonna we're gonna see how this goes this this will be experimental episode for us but we're we're excited to do it so we will see you all next next two weeks yeah see you in two weeks